With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham. Your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. I hope everyone had an awesome holiday, had some good time off. And how great to close out the holiday weekend with an awesome Jets win over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 26-21, to to go to 4-11 and on the season, 3-5 and at home at MetLife. So a much better home record. The Jets win a big one. Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence. Forget about the head coaches. Forget about all the players on COVID and whatnot. They came out there. They put good play on the field, made some really good highlights, and won this game. They gave us some reasons to be excited. They gave us some reasons to cheer. And in a season like this where we've been eliminated from playoff contention, and we're just really looking at the draft upcoming and evaluation of our players. To see good stuff like that in a game like this was awesome to see. So I hope that you got enjoyment out of it. Hope you weren't rooting for draft stock or anything like that. And just got to see Braxton Barrios with a 102-yard kick return and a big old Zach Wilson run. All that good stuff happening in this one. Plenty of reasons to cheer. I'm excited. Happy to talk about it. Um, like I said, I hope holiday season and all that went well. hope everyone was safe and... Things were good within your families and friend groups and all that. Uh, Get to kind of breeze through this episode because, as you know, the Jets are playing very shorthanded with their team. It's not even the real Jets roster at this point. They've got so many players on COVID. They've got so many people in the coaching staff not even involved with the team right now as they're not allowed to be. And we're going to kind of breeze through it because this is not the exact Jets team. There were definitely some performances from guys that will be here in the future. Definitely some guys that are fighting to stay back you know, stay with this team next year through training camps and all that. But there were plenty of guys that are just here for a cup of coffee just to get us through a week when we don't have anybody. Just a few reinforcements here and there. But we're going to do our usual segments. Uh, Before I do, I need to remind you to rate, 
review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And, yeah, we can get into it now. We're going to start with all the COVID news. The Jets played this game without so many people, right? Injuries and COVID on top of it. Guys like Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Jameson Crowder, so your top three wide receivers. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and Elijah Vera Tucker, so your top guards. Ashton Davis, Jonathan Marshall, Kenny Yeboah, Ryan Griffin, Hamza Nazaruddin. The list goes on. And then even players like that were picked up just to fill in some of those voids that we had. As you don't usually have that many injured players at this point in the season. We bring in some new guys. Some of them went into COVID protocols. It's just been chaos and hectic. Robert Sala was out. I think it was uh, Caleb Reese was out from the coaching staff, quarterbacks coach. And it's just been uh, kind of a nightmare in that respect. You know, the Jets lost a couple more players in this game. Connor McGovern is out for the entire year. And we've added to the COVID list Quinn and Williams, Tyler Croft, Bryce Hall. So three important starters. Your best tight end, by far your best cornerback, and one of your best defensive players in Quinn and Williams. So add those guys to the list. It looks like at this point, Mekhi Becton is not returning to the Jets this year. He's been out for like 15 weeks now, and he's probably not going to come back. Hopefully he'll be healthy and ready for next season. But the question is, are we going to get any more reinforcements back for this upcoming game against the Bucs? A guy like Elijah Moore was put on IR around the 6th. Three-week mandatory IR with the new COVID rules. He should be ready to play now if he's healthy. He was moved onto the COVID list recently. Not sure what's going on there, but it is possible he could be returning if he clears protocols. All the other people that missed last week, people that are vaccinated and are able to do you know a couple negative tests in a row, it's possible they could be back at this point in time on Tuesday, the 28th. I don't really know. You know, last week when we did the podcast on Tuesday, all the players were still going to be playing for the most part, right? We had a couple guys, I think it was like Foley and maybe like Jeff Smith, a couple other guys that had had the COVID uh, protocols begin. And then like Thursday or Friday, it just started coming out and just kept coming like a tidal wave until half the team was out and we were playing guys you never heard of, guys that haven't played football in years. And um, that's just kind of kind of the gist of it. But we hope that we're going to get more players back against the Bucks, whoever they are. Even if you could get a guy like Ashton Davis and Jonathan Marshall, it's still better than the alternative players that you would have below them. And a guy like Elijah Moore, even like a Kenny Yaboa or an Ashton Davis, some people that you're really trying to evaluate, you know, a Elijah Vera Tucker, even an opportunity to get a guy like Thompson Nazraldine on the field to see if he's gotten any better as the season's gone on. These are the types of things that you'd like to see in the last couple of weeks because we're eliminated from playoff contention. There's not a ton to look forward to other than that, other than the evaluation of the young guys and the evaluation of players that are potentially not returning for next year. Who's going to be a cap casualty? Who's not going to get an extension? There's a ton of those guys as well. So the more guys you have on the field that are a part of the process, the better. Now, before I go over to a game recap, I do want to give my dad the floor for his father time. This is written by my dad, David Burnham, for his submission on this week's father time. Here we go. COVID has knocked some of the Jets out for this Sunday's game against the Bucs. Bryce Hall will be sidelined, which helps make this a mere warm-up game for Brady tuning up for the playoffs. COVID is an obstacle, and it's unfortunate that the schedule pitted our rebuilding Jets against playoff teams and Super Bowl contenders to end the season. I enjoyed watching Zach run for a 52-yard franchise record touchdown and Barrios with his 101-yard kick return for a touchdown against the Jaguars, plus some of the crazy plays and, of course, a W. A really nice holiday victory that was a nice finish to the holiday weekend. 
With two games left, there will be many young Jets laying it on the line looking to earn the right to be an NFL player, trying to draw the attention to anyone that will watch and hoping that JD brings them back in the spring. COVID has taken its toll this week, but there won't be anyone giving up in Week 17. There's still a lot of fight in this young team. Go Jets. End scene. And so when you hear this one, you know, my dad, he's he's hitting the nail on the head, right? We've got a bunch of COVID things going on. There's plenty of reasons to be disappointed in the season and the way that it's closing out. We're playing against very good teams with a makeshift roster, not even our head coach, where we've already been eliminated from playoff contention. And at this point, the most positive thing about the team is the draft capital and everything coming up. The franchise has cap space, you know, the decisions that are going to be made by Joe Douglas. And again, we find ourselves, New York fans, looking ahead to the offseason, as it seems to be every single year, the Jets' best time of the year. But when he's, he's absolutely right in the fact that we are evaluating these players still. There are a ton of guys that are getting opportunities in these games because so many people are going down. You know, you have guys like Jason Pinnock playing safety for the Jets who hadn't had an opportunity to play there, but now he has to, and he actually had a really good game in this one. And there's a ton of other examples like that. You know, Mims is getting more play on the field than usual. Is he doing anything with it? No, he's not. But there's tons of opportunity to evaluate these guys, and nobody is packing it in. Nobody on this unit. The Jets have a bunch of good guys, a bunch of young guys, a bunch of people who are hungry and trying to fight and win. We saw it this week against the Jaguars. Right? They easily could have packed it in, not won with Coach Ron Middleton. They could have kept better draft stock, better capital, right? Gotten a better draft pick. But they didn't. They came out, and at times in this game, they kicked some butt. And it was a lot of fun. And I'm rooting for the exact same thing to happen against the Bucks and Bills. Of course, you're not playing against the Jaguars. You're playing the Bucks, who are in kind of tune-up mode, where they're going to be able to kind of dissect the Jets' defense, get a little bit comfortable, get some guys rested. They probably don't even need to worry about playing a bunch of players who are on the fringe of injury, anything like that. They can get ready for the playoffs, and it probably will be kind of easy for them. It'll be a much different game than we saw against the Jaguars, but there's still opportunity for plays to be made, and these guys, I expect to see it. I think my dad's absolutely right. Let's watch these guys fight their tails off, try to come back in the spring, because when you have a team that's got so many question marks like this and so much youth and so many young players that are getting an opportunity and a chance, it's like, this is it. It's now or never. If you want to come back next year for the Jets or for another team, show something. So that could be... Something very exciting to watch. I appreciate the father time, Dad. Thank you for that. And now before we move over to a game recap, we are going to do a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. This episode coming to you after the Jets win 26-21 at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Big Zach Wilson versus Trevor Lawrence game. Forget the players that were missing. We still had those two out there. And there were plenty of weapons for both of them. Zach Wilson got the W. And most importantly, Ron Middleton got the W. This was a guy who's been a tight end coach for the Jets. Never had been a head coach, but always kind of dreamed of it. And as the years went on and he got a little older, he kind of realized, you know, that wasn't going to happen, but he was happy with his tight end coaching gig. When Robert Sala went down with COVID, we weren't sure who he was going to ask to be the new head coach for the week. You know, would it be Jeff Albrecht, who's the defensive coordinator, or Mike LaFleur, who's the OC? These are the most, you know, prominent players in the Jets coaching tree, other than Robert Sala. However, both of them have very important jobs on game day. Albrecht's got to call the defensive plays. LaFleur's got to call the offensive plays. So you can't really take them away and bring them into a new role they're not comfortable in. You bring in a guy like Middleton, who's always wanted to do this, and what a great opportunity. He was really honored that Salah asked him, and he did a great job. He had an awesome press conference at the end. The team came out with a lot of aggressive play calls. 
They did a lot of trick plays. They did a fake punt or a fake field goal, rather, where they had a run from freaking Braden Mann, who could have potentially option pitched it over to Eddie Panero. That was a crazy call. They went for it on fourth downs. They went for it near the goal line, and they tried to make things happen. And in the end of the game, it was successful. Were all the plays successful? No. Were there opportunities for the Jaguars to come away with this thing with the Jets' mistakes? Sure. But they played an aggressive game plan. As uh, Ron Middleton said, the goal was to be very aggressive without being foolish. And that's kind of what the Jets did. I mean, with the fake field goal, potentially a little bit foolish on that one. Wasn't even executed appropriately. Probably could have pitched that ball to Panera to potentially get the first down. But still, it was very fun. And Middleton was able to do it. Got the win. And should Robert Sala return next week, Middleton could potentially end with the best Jets winning percentage in the history of the franchise. 100% wins. So, very cool to see. Happy for Ron Middleton. Way to go. Stand in there and get that done. Another guy that I think deserves to be recognized kind of before we get into the offense is Zach Wilson because when you look at Zach Wilson, the whole team kind of goes with him. What we're going to do next year in the future and everything kind of revolves around Zach Wilson. Of course, we're building a good defense offensive line and all that should be coming in the next year or two. But Zach Wilson's the guy that's going to win games for the Jets. And he started really, really slow this year. I mean, he was struggling in the first half early, was getting a little bit more rhythm in the second half. And then all of a sudden he couldn't hit anybody on a short throw, had no accuracy. Then he got injured, came back, was a little bit rusty. But in the last couple of weeks, we've seen him play less hero ball and do more check downs and short throws and timing throws, and they've gotten much, much better. They were really good last week. They were also really good in this game as well. Some of those plays that we were seeing in the middle of the season where he was turfing it or airmailing a, a running back or a tight end, those have almost gone away. He still puts the, the ball in harm's way a little bit more than you'd like, but he's not getting a ton of turnovers. He's playing well. He's getting rid of the ball, not taking a ton of sacks. Only sacked one time or two times in this game, and you got to like what you see. But the most important thing is that he's continuing to develop. He's worked on that accuracy. He's worked on that discipline and making sure that he's not playing hero ball. And in this week, he incorporated something new into his game yet again, and that would be his legs. We know that he's very shifty. In the pocket, when people are coming after him, when the pocket breaks down, he's very good at getting away, being elusive, kicking defenders off of his feet, and rolling out and extending plays. But typically, even when he's got open field in front of him, he doesn't take off. Now, you don't want your quarterback running a ton when you're a guy like, you know, he's not a running quarterback. We didn't sign him and draft him to be a Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. But when you have open field, you have to take advantage of it. We saw a couple weeks ago he actually had his first really long run of the season, and he probably had like 15 yards in front of him, and he slid because he didn't want to get hit. And you could just tell, like, he's not completely comfortable out there. He doesn't really know the game speed, how close guys are to him. He just got nervous and was like, listen, I can't get hit. And he gave up yardage on that play. In this game, he's shown that, one, he's willing to use his legs, can see when to do it, and he gained a little bit of confidence where he could have gone out of bounds on this this run play after picking up, like, you know, 25 yards on a great play. Would have been totally pleased with that. He cut back in and then actually made a juke move on a second defender who both of these guys were actually afraid to hit him most likely because they didn't want to get a flag hitting a quarterback. And he ended up making a 52-yard run, the Jets' franchise record for longest run by a quarterback. And... It was awesome. He had another 20-plus yarder in the game, finished with 91 rushing yards and a touchdown. And it's like, yeah, he only had 100 yards passing. But when you can add on top of that, 90 yards rushing, a touchdown there. I mean, this guy is showing new things to watch each week. And I think that's what's most exciting about this. It's that he's not 
failing the exact same way over and over again. He's got clear, glaring issues from the first time he played football with the Jets up until now. He's got clear issues. But it's also obvious that he's working on a lot of those things, and he's creating you know, solutions, and he's working on stuff, and he's getting better. And you can tell that he's learning. This is what my dad and I talk about each week is that like the most refreshing thing about Zach Wilson at this point is that it looks like he's a guy that can be taught, can learn, can absorb stuff, and then process it and use it on the field. And that's what's going to be most important because he's not perfect right now. He's not a finished product. We need him to get better. And as he does these things and shows us how he uses his legs, works on his accuracy, moves nicely in the pocket, gains some confidence, shows that this is something that he's absolutely going to be able to do for the remainder of his career. So hopefully it's going to lead to good, bright days for the Jets. And in this case, in this game, it led to a Jets win. So let's get into the actual game a little bit. I want to do some team statistics. The Jets, in a way, you know, the Jaguars had a better offensive showing when you look at, like, first downs and total yardage and whatnot, passing yards, of course. But two big things stand out for the Jets in this one. One, they had 273 rushing yards, which is crazy, on 7.6 yards per rush. 273 rushing yards. If you can do that, you're going to win most games. The Jets didn't have a single turnover in this game, forced one. And they made big splash plays when they need to. So you're not going to have the big first down numbers, the big total yardage numbers when you have a 52-yard quarterback run, kills a drive right there. You got a 101-yard kick return touchdown, kills a drive right there. Not that it is a bad thing killing the drive or anything, but it's taking your offense off of the field. The Jets' first time with the ball, Zach Wilson runs after like three, four plays from the offense, gets that 52-yarder. The next time... They get the ball back. It's a 102-yard kick return by Braxton Berrios. All of a sudden, we're midway through the second quarter. The Jets have had the ball for like five or six offensive plays. Like, well, where the heck is the the offense? You don't have an opportunity to be on the field. They didn't need it. They were making plays and scoring points in interesting and unique ways. And you can't fault them for it. And 373 total yards with 273 of those being rushing, that's awesome. That's a very, very good way to win with a rookie quarterback. And when it comes down to it, the penalties in this game, that was probably the biggest, you know, issue. Tony Carrente always drives me crazy. The walking corpse is a pain in the butt as an official. Seven penalties for the Jets for 94 yards. A couple ticky-tack calls. I did not like the pass interference on Brandon Eccles, although he was face-guarding. Should have got his head around. Jaguars only had two penalties for 10 yards. So they had a a clear advantage there. When it came down to it, it was a 26-21 game. and The Jaguars were on the five-yard line. Definitely had an opportunity to win this game and beat the Jets. But bend, don't break, be resilient, and, you know, teach these guys what it feels like to win, what a winning performance looks like, how to close a game out. Even if it is on the last play of the game and you're, you know, getting lucky as he's thrown to the end zone, still, being able to find a way to win, victory Monday, all the good stuff the Jets are looking forward to, you love to see it. So now getting into the individual player performances, we're going to start on offense. We talked about Zach Wilson already a bit. 14 for 22 for 102 yards. You know, solid completion percentage. He did have a passing touchdown to Connor McDermott. Only sacked one time for two yards. And the most exciting thing, his quarterback rating in this game, an 89.6. And then his QBR, which is that other quarterback metric that takes into account more factors but isn't as understood by me or a lot of people yet, 92.4, which is a very, very good quarterback rating and basically shows that he made the right decision at the right time and did what he needed to do. That quarterback rating stat doesn't ask you to, like, 
throw 300 yards and three touchdowns to have a great rating. It asks you to do what you need to do to win in the situations that you have to, and it allows you to be kind of more disciplined and a little bit more conservative if that's what it takes. So 92.4, great game from Zach Wilson. Got to be pleased with what you saw there. Then you talk about the rushing attack. I mean, 273 yards. 91 of those were Zach Wilson's on four carries for, you know, a touchdown, 22.8 yards per rush, that 52-yarder, absolutely awesome. But then you had, in my opinion, the offensive player of the game in Michael Carter, rushing 16 times for 118 yards, didn't get a touchdown, but he had a nice long 38-yarder, and this was his best rushing game of the entire season, in my opinion, at 7.4 yards per rush. You're talking about a game without your two starting guards. Connor McGovern goes down. A lot of moving parts in that old line. And Michael Carter is finding room to run. That was awesome to see. Tevin Coleman, 14 carries, 57 yards. 4.1 yards per carry there. Even uh, Braden Mann had four yards. And Barrios had his you know usual run in the game. He only had three yards on that one. But 273 rushing yards. 7.6 yards per carry. 118 of them coming from our offensive player of the game, Michael Carter, and the Jets win. And that's a great recipe for success for this team. If they can keep doing stuff like that and keep getting performances like this out of Michael Carter and Zach Wilson with his legs, they're going to win a lot more games. When you talk about the receiving game, they only had 100 total yards of passing offense. So there really were not catches, yards, touchdowns, or anything to go around. In fact, the only touchdown caught in this game was by Offensive lineman, like fifth-string tackle Connor McDermott, who made a great play, high point of the ball, jumping off of his back foot in the end zone. That was absolutely awesome. Zach Wilson rolling out, put it in a spot that, you know, only like a tight end could catch it. You wouldn't really think an offensive lineman like Connor McDermott would be able to do it, but he did. They had faith in him. They joked around about the play a bit in the press conferences and everything after. Zach Wilson said it was probably the favorite play of his entire career playing football. Connor McDermott said it was awesome for him. He hasn't scored since he was like, 10 years old or something, and that was really cool. When you look at the other guys receiving the ball, Braxton Berrios was the guy that was expected to be kind of the hot hand in this one without Crowder, Davis, Moore. You're not getting anything from Mims this year. Keelan Cole makes a play or two per week, but that's about it. He never really is the focal point of the offense. So you're running out of guys to get the ball to. Braxton Berrios has been a security blanket, gadget, do-it-all kind of guy for the Jets who... They find a way to get the ball in his hands, and he finds a way to be successful. So he led the team in targets with six, led the team in receptions with five, 37 total receiving yards. He had the three yards on the rush. Then he had that big kick return touchdown. So a great game for Braxton Berrios as he was kind of the focal point of the offense in a passing attack that you know garnered 100 yards and really was not dominant by any stretch. But did enough to win the game. Tyler Croft, he made a couple nice plays, three catches for 29 yards. He got COVID, so or he's on the COVID list, so he's uh, not going to be playing next week. We're going to miss him. Keelan Cole, he had his pair of catches that he usually gets, you know, two catches for 25 yards. And the thing about Keelan Cole, it's an interesting one because he's on a one-year deal with the Jets, and he's a good player. He's not a great player, and he's used so weird within this team. Some weeks he makes a couple catches. Some of them are long, you know, nice 50-yarders. Other weeks just 25 yards like this one. And he's not relied on heavily enough. He's not got great chemistry within the offense. He's a guy that I like off the field. He's a player that I like on the field in terms of his play style. But the way that he's worked in this, it's never really clicked with him 
and the offense. I'm not sure if he's going to come back next year. He's one of these guys that with all the injuries, he's going to get more opportunities these last two weeks. I think he's got to step up. He's got to do a little bit more than two catches for 25 yards if he wants us to buy in and say, you know what, you deserve an extension to come back next year. Unless it's a very team-friendly deal. He's done well, but there are a lot of guys that can do what Keelan Cole is doing for the Jets right now. When you look at a guy who's absolutely failing, our doghouse player of the game, let's do it again. Let's put Denzel Mims right back at doghouse player of the game because what the hell is going on with him? We've had Elijah Moore out. We've had Corey Davis out. The last three weeks, Denzel Mims has been targeted like five times. He has zero catches. He literally can't even find a way to catch the ball in any of these games, and he's getting more playtime than ever. You don't have anybody else in the field, people not in front of him, and you're like, we probably would be better off throwing the ball to DJ Montgomery or Jeff Smith because Denzel Mims at this point is doing nothing. There was an opportunity to trade him. I didn't think we should. I think that wide receivers take a long time to develop. So in one respect, I'm like, all right, maybe next year will be Denzel Mims' year. But for crying out loud, no catches. I mean, I would be like, if he was getting 300, 400 yards this year, I think it would be a letdown. But we'd be like, you know what? He's still got time to develop. Right now, he's like, he's going to be lucky to finish the season with 200 total receiving yards. He's got eight catches and 133 yards, and we've had so many receivers go down. COVID, it's just ridiculous. Connor McDermott has more receiving touchdowns than Denzel Mims. How is this guy, who was so talented at Baylor, high-pointing the ball, making big, crazy body adjustments, wild plays, he can't do anything, and it's frustrating, it's disappointing, it's not what we need. We needed a guy like him to step up and play well for the Jets. And honestly, you watch it, and you're like, Denzel Mims may end up worse than Stephen Hill when it's all said and done. It was another second-round pick by the Jets who just you know had one or two good games and then never anything else in the NFL after that. And Denzel Mims is not trending in a good way. He is our doghouse player of the game and very, very disappointing. Offensive line, you got to be pleased with the way the offensive line played considering the adjustments that needed to be made. In this game, you're playing... Greg Van Roten, who's a serviceable backup guard. You know, you didn't want him to be your starter. You like to replace him with LDT, but he goes down. You're not that upset putting GVR back in. On the left side, I didn't really want to play Dan Feeney ever this year after seeing what we saw in preseason. He came in, actually played an all-right game. I mean, the team ran for 273 yards, so you got to be excited with the offensive line. They only gave up one sack for two yards lost. So again, a really good performance from that unit. And when we get Elijah Vera Tucker back, Connor McGovern back next year, Makai Becton. I mean, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for this offensive line to continue growing. Hopefully they add another right guard, maybe another tackle or whatnot. But the offensive line is moving in the right direction, and the running game is moving in the right direction. You can see the team kind of getting more comfortable. And I know it was the Jaguars, so we'll see what happens against the Bucks. But a really good performance in this one from them. Now we're going to go over to the defensive side of the ball. When you talk about defense, again, so many players missing in this one. We were playing guys like Will Parks at safety, Kai Nakua. We got Jason Pinnock starting at safety. He's never played that position before in the NFL. We had new faces galore on both sides of the ball, and it was tricky. But there were some good performances. The Jets did a pretty good job stopping the run. James Robinson went down for the Jaguars very early in the game, which helped the Jets big time because he's probably their best offensive player. 
Trevor Lawrence was able to pick up 280 yards passing. We only sacked him once, but when he did, he fumbled the ball. And I think that something that's kind of disappointing with the Jets is their rush defense is not as good as we'd hoped it would be. Right? They had 4.3 yards per rush. The Jaguars did on 132 yards rushing, which is a decent rushing game, albeit some of it came from Trevor Lawrence on a big run or two. But 132 yards rushing for the Jaguars were not a very good team. This was supposed to be kind of a kind of a strength of the Jets unit would be that Quinn and Williams, Foley Fadikasi, Rankins, and all those guys stuffing the run this year. And some of them didn't play in this game. But throughout the season, we've not been good enough at stopping the run, and the unit should be better at it. It's something that the Jets have to focus on. It's got to be a focal point going into the draft and free agency. Working on that defensive line up front. More pass rush and more rush stop. One way or another, it's got to get better up there. But we did have, you know, a guy like Sheldon Rankins kind of leading the charge for the Jets. He made a couple nice plays in this one. Uh, Defensively, the linebacker core was all right. That's where we found our defensive player of the game. In this one, C.J. Mosley. I think he was the best player on defense for the Jets. Not because he had a team leading 10 tackles, but because he had the only turnover, the only sack of the game, he went back on a really nice, really nice sack of Trevor Lawrence where he knocked the ball out, picked up by Ronnie Blair. C.J. Mosley has been one of those guys that tackles well, covers well, aggressive, leads the unit, team captain. You know, is he perfect week in, week out? No, but he's definitely one of the best players in this entire Jets roster, and he makes more plays than most of the guys in this team combined. Good to see from him. Nice sack, nice quarterback hit, forced fumble, 10 tackles. He's our defensive player of the game. It was a very quiet game from Quincy Williams, but Gerard Davis, the other linebacker who was supposed to be the starter next to C.J. Mosley, had a pretty good game in this one, had eight tackles, made his presence felt for the first time really all year. When you look at the cornerbacks, Bryce Hall had a good game. Bryce Hall, I think, is an underrated tackler in the sense that when he is moving his feet forward, he's very good at tackling. When he's flat-footed and a guy's running at him, he's a very bad tackler. So if you're coming at Bryce Hall, he's a matador. But if he has a chance to unload on a guy who's going up to catch a ball or not moving forward, that's when he's a really good tackler. He made a couple nice plays like that in this game. Some really nice coverage plays. Big pass deflection in the end zone, which was awesome to see. Javelin Guidry, he made a really nice play in the end zone to win the game, passing the ball, tipping the ball away. That was a pass deflection. Brandon Eccles, I know he had a big penalty in this one. Uh, that was like a, you know, I don't know, 30, 40-yard penalty right in front of the end zone when he was face guarding. That was a bummer. But I think this guy's getting better and better every single week in coverage. I think he's gaining confidence. I think he's a guy that I'm gaining confidence in, in being potentially a more long-term option at cornerback. Then we had a bunch of those unknown guys playing safety, but Jason Pinnock is the one that really stood out to me because he is a guy that every single time he was put on the field as a cornerback, I had high hopes for him and expectations coming into the season. But he makes so many mistakes and slips and falls and gets penalties and whatnot that it was really hard to be trending up on him and thinking that he was going to bring a lot to the Jets. Then you put him at safety, and he made a couple really nice plays didn't really make any mistakes that you could note. Four tackles, a pass deflection, and if you can do that as a rookie, just looking for a way to get on the field, and there's an opportunity to play, yeah, maybe someone else's position, something you're not super comfortable with. But you can get on the field, and you can play it, and do it pretty well. That's the type of thing that keeps you coming back year after year. 
because you're a guy that can do multiple things. You're a versatile player. Yes, you can be played here. You can be played gunning on special teams, even though he's made some issues, made some errors doing that as well. But a guy that can do different things, that's the kind of guy that you at least can feel comfortable bringing back to training camp and maybe giving a roster spot to again next year. Will Parks had a pretty good game for a guy that just came here. I don't know where to fill in. I thought that he made his presence felt early. I think it was like midway through the second quarter, I said to my dad, I think Will Parks is the defensive player of the game right now. And he was like, yeah, he might be, honestly, because he's made a few nice plays in this one. But tapered off a little bit as the game went on. Some other people got involved, like Akai Nakua and, and uh, you know, obviously Jason Pinnock all game. But it's uh, it was a weird group of guys. It definitely was. But luckily the Jets were against a team that frankly probably isn't as good as them. And the Jets were playing at home, and Zach Wilson made big plays. And when it's all said and done, Zach Wilson with no turnovers, he outplayed Trevor Lawrence straight up, one against one. Zach Wilson was the guy that won the matchup in this one. Trevor Lawrence has a long way to go, as does Zach Wilson. Both of these rosters have a long way to go. But it was nice to see the guy like Zach Wilson, who really was never considered in the same realm as Trevor Lawrence. Basically 99% of people that were going into the draft said, all right, Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick and Zach Wilson would be potentially the number two. There really wasn't a lot of debate or question about that for most people. I did think it was a little bit closer than a lot of other people did. But that aside, Zach Wilson is probably having a better season. Much, Many, many less fumbles, more rushing touchdowns, and finding a way to win more games. So, please with Zach Wilson this one. Let's see what he can do against the Bucks and the Bills. We are going to talk about those two games coming up, but first we have to talk about special teams. And before we do that, we have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. And today, I am not drinking anything special at all because I didn't work today and I started drinking a little bit early. I'm actually doing the podcast about two hours earlier than I normally would. It's like 4 p.m. here. Normally, I'd probably be at this part of the podcast around 6 p.m., but I wanted to start drinking around like 1 because it was a day off. I'm continuing my vacation back at work tomorrow. So I was like, all right, how do I get this party started without actually compromising the quality of the podcast? And for that, I chose the one and only Bud Light. That is right, folks. This is Bud Light for What's on Tap. It is... One of the most basic beers you can find, but it's hydrating. You can drink a bunch of them. You don't have to feel too guilty when you're drinking them because other than some carbs and whatnot, they're very, very light as long as you're not drinking like 15 of them. You know, you could have three, four of those things. No big deal. So that's what I'm doing here, enjoying a Bud Light. I'll probably have something nicer when the podcast is over, but, you know, you got to make sure I can't compromise the podcast or the stats or the numbers. So that's what we're doing today. Very lame, but it's kind of just the crescendo to I've not worked for like seven days, and there was a lot of whiskey. There were a lot of special beers, a lot of IPAs and whatnot. And to kind of just coast back into work on the light end here, I feel good about it. So that is what is on tap today. Bud Light, brewed by Anheuser-Busch. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to talk about special teams, the draft, and the upcoming game against the Bucks. But before we do that, we have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. 
where we've got a couple orders of business left here, the first being to talk about the special teams' performance in the Jets' 26-21 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to start with the player of the game. There is no question who it was. You already know who the special teams' player of the game was. That is one kick return specialist, punt return extraordinaire, Braxton Berrios. 102-yard kick return touchdown to the house. That was a game-changing play. This is a guy that was leading the league in punt return average. He's a guy that, you know, no, he doesn't make a ton of 102-yard kick return touchdowns. That doesn't happen that frequently for him, but he's capable of it. He's reliable. He's better than almost any other punt kick returner in the league. And he wasn't voted into the Pro Bowl, and that was a travesty. And so what did he do to show the world that he deserved to be there? He comes back with his best return in Jets history, probably his entire career, 102 yards to the house. He is our special teams player of the game. He also had a nice punt return for 12 yards. But Braxton Berrios is a guy that has proven that not only is he usable in the passing game and can even run the ball and do some trick plays on offense, but he's a very, very important special teamer in the punt return game, a great kick returner. He does so many different things that he deserves to be back here with the New York Jets again. I know he's got an expiring contract. He doesn't want to talk about that portion of his life right now. But when the season ends and you're looking for guys that deserve to be back here doing things with the New York Jets, he is one of them. So great to see that from Braxton Berrios. Another special teams player of the game performance from him. Way to go. We also had a couple nice kick returns from Tevin Coleman as well. And that was great to see. He had a 34-yard return, but it was nothing like that Berrios run. Braden, man, he punted the ball one time in this game. He did have an opportunity to run the ball, so he got his rushing numbers up with a four-yard run where he could have pitched it to Panero, but he didn't. But one kick for Braden Mann inside the 20, 55-yard kick. Good game from him. And then the kicker, a position that has been very, very tiresome for the Jets to watch the kicking struggles of all these different guys in in and out each week. But Eddie Panero has kicked well for the Jets since coming in. He went two for two in this game with a 42-yard long So he's keeping his field goal percentage at 100%. He did have an extra point blocked, and the worry here is that the kick was blocked. And we talked last week about how he kicked really low, especially when you compared his kicking to Jason Sanders of the Dolphins, who kicks it very, very high. Eddie Pinero looks like the type of guy who's going to have a lot of kicks blocked. Probably doesn't have the leg. Usually when you don't have a very powerful leg and you're trying to kick it, you kick it a little bit lower to make up for the distance traveled. You don't have as much, you know, wiggle room to kick up and come back down. You kind of have to go more on a line to reach the destination or at least keep the ball pinned straight, whatever it may be. That's kind of what he's doing. So this may be something that haunts him as the years go on. We still haven't seen him in a clutch moment where he has to make a big-time kick. We haven't seen him try a really long field goal yet, and we worried about kicks getting blocked, one extra point was blocked. But when it's all said and done, if you go two for two on field goals and two for three on extra points with one being blocked, I'm happy with that. I'm fine with it. That is a good enough performance to me. Just keep it up, Eddie Panero. You know, try not to get kicks blocked. Try to kick a little higher. We'll see if that is a big enough issue to end his career with the Jets. But for now, we're not too upset. So that is the Jets special team's performance. And that closes out the Jets' 26-21 win over the Jaguars. The team goes to 4-11 on the season and 3-5 and at home. Now, the next order of business would be to talk about the draft positioning. 
As the Jets win, they move to the fourth overall pick in the draft, and they've basically guaranteed themselves they're not going to have the first or second overall pick. And everybody, if you're watching college football, there's two guys, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, who are the edge rushers, the number one and two prospects at this point in time for the draft. And unless somebody wants to get a quarterback or there's some trades or anything like that, they may very likely be the number one and number two player taken in this draft. And they're two guys that if you're a Jets fan, you'd love to have them. You'd love to have that edge rusher on the defensive line to mix in there with guys like Carl Lawson, Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers. I mean, something really special could be happening. But you got to kind of accept that that's probably not in the cards for the Jets at this point in time. But number four overall will certainly, certainly have very, very talented players available. If the Jets win again, they may continue to drop in the draft standings. But that's okay because that's not their only first-round pick. They also control the Seahawks' first-round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. And the Seahawks keep losing. They are now 5-10 and ten on the season, eliminated from playoff contention, and they have the sixth overall pick in the draft if the season ended today. Their next game is against the Lions, so definitely an opportunity for the Seahawks to right the ship. But eliminated from playoff contention, there's not a ton to play for except for pride, respect, and all that. And if some of these guys are getting pissed off, maybe not as you know cool, calm, and collected as some others, some may start to pack it in over there. They may be pissed off with the situation. And if the Lions could steal one and the Seahawks could lose another game and keep that Jets draft pick very, very high, that would be awesome. Of course, the Seahawks really have no reason to tank because they don't have that first overall pick. It's an interesting situation for them over there, but we never expected it to be in the top 10 ever. We thought that when we made the trade, like Jamal Adams was supposed to be a finishing piece for that team. He couldn't wait to get over there and start winning games. That team's almost worse than the Jets are, and they've got so many more veterans. Their team is not pointing in the right direction. They look like a team that's about to lose their quarterback, their star linebacker, a bunch of their other great players, and probably their head coach in the near future. I don't know. Way to go, Jamal, from getting out of here. But when things turn around for the Jets and you're on that Seahawks team, you may want to second-guess your decisions. The Jets also have two of the Panthers picked from the Sam Darnold trade. We talk about that every week. Second and fourth rounders. Panthers lost this week. Their next game is against the banged-up Saints, who had a piss-poor performance against the Dolphins this week. But you never know. The Panthers also have all sorts of issues playing guys like P.J. Walker, Cam Newton, and Sam Darnold at quarterback. Ian Book may be able to beat them, or whatever quarterback is playing for the Saints. So we want to keep rooting for the Panthers to lose because right now that second-round pick is looking at, like, almost number 40 overall. The Jets have their own second-round pick, the Panthers' second-round pick at about 40, and then two top-10 picks from the Jets and Seahawks. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to draft some really good guys on top of the salary cap that we have to sign guys in free agency. Very exciting. Um, you got to be happy with what's going on. I'm not rooting for Jets' losses. I'm rooting for Seahawks' and Panthers' losses if I want to get those really high picks. Those teams continue to lose. It'll happen. The Jets can win. All is good. So then, the last order of business would just be to touch on the upcoming game, and that is against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game is at home in MetLife Stadium, 1 p.m. on Sunday, the 2nd of January. The Jets are currently 13-point underdogs, and that may be putting it mildly. The Bucs right now are a playoff team. With Tom Brady at quarterback, all sorts of good players across the board, offense and defense. you got a good coach in Arians, a great D.C. in Todd Bowles, as we know. Wasn't the best head coach in the world, but definitely a very good defensive coordinator and a guy that 
I don't want to root for the Bucks, but I root for Todd Bowles, and I'm happy that he's finding a lot of success at this point in his career. Won a Super Bowl last year. Byron Leftwich, another good player who's or another good coach who's going to be looking at uh, head coaching jobs in the very near future, I'm sure, for the stuff that he's done with that team. But just the players there. I mean, they've got a very good defense. They've got a ton of weapons on offense. And you could look and say they may be missing guys like Godwin, Evans, Fournette, maybe not playing. But they still have so many weapons. And as long as they have Tom Brady and a couple guys, even if it's Scotty Miller, Brashad Perriman, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, those guys are plenty good enough. Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, they have enough players and a good enough team, enough confidence, well-coached. They're going to be able to pull this game off against the Jets pretty easily, in my opinion. This is kind of, as my dad said in his father time, a tune-up game of sorts for the Bucks. For Tom Brady to be able to sit back and say, all right, the Jets play a soft zone. They're going to be missing their best cornerback in Bryce Hall. Most of their safeties, you know, a lot of the defense will be missing. The best pass rusher up the middle, Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers still out. Crazy. The opportunity is he's got to be licking his lips right now, saying, oh, this is going to be a good one. I think the Jets are probably going to lose by more than 13 points. If I was guessing the final score, honestly, I would say 33-16, to 16, Jets lose this one. When it comes down to it, I don't expect to win. The Jets are not as good a team as the Buccaneers. We're not playing for anything. And even if we were as good a team as the Buccaneers, we don't have our team. We're playing with a bunch of scrubs and guys from the scrap pile. That's just the state of the team right now, unfortunately. We have to see if we even have our head coach out there. But what we are looking for, as my dad said, is that evaluation, that fight, that spark from those young players, the guys that are trying to come back to next training camp, the guys that are trying to make the roster, get another extension with the Jets, solidify themselves, a Braxton Berrios or a Keelan Cole, a Denzel Mims who could be on his way out, or a guy like Jason Pinnock who has been overlooked for a lot this year and is now having an opportunity at a new position. All across the field, there are guys in these battles within themselves, within their coaching stuff that are working on things, trying to get better, trying to make a name for themselves. And those are the things that are to be enjoyed and watched at this stage in the season. Win or lose, if we could have some great performances from young guys. And keep in mind, you know, those rookies, those people that we need to be really good for the whole plan that Joe Douglas has to be working properly, we need them to have great games too. It would be awesome to see Michael Carter have another 100-yard rushing game over five yards of care. It would be awesome. Maybe he can get in the end zone. A little bit more growth from Zach Wilson. And if we could get guys like Elijah Moore or a couple other young guys back on the field and get them the ball or get them playing well at their position, these are the types of things that you can go into next season, that momentum, that good feeling, feeling like at certain positions, you know, hey, we have some answers. I think the Jets are going to be interesting in this game. I think they're going to be scrappy because they're putting a lot of guys on the field that have to be scrappy to save their careers. So we'll see what happens. You know, if it's an absolute blowout, not the end of the world, let's get out of this thing healthy. No season-ending injuries that carry into next season. That would be the absolute worst. Um, But just a lot of young guys, a lot of fighting guys, showing some good performances, getting some good tape on field, and giving us a couple reasons to cheer throughout the game. That's what we're looking for at this point. I look forward to the game. I'll be back next week to talk about it on Tuesday. But until then, enjoy the Jets versus Bucks. Keep enjoying this Jets win against the Jaguars. Plenty of highlights to go back and enjoy. And that's all I got for this one. So thank you for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham. 
and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 